right, let's uh, open our Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, it's great preaching. What a great privilege to be in the house of God. Well, maybe it wasn't so great, I don't know. It was great preaching, Brother Terry Oswald. I appreciate uh, Brother Terry. I surrendered to preach in 1982, 1982. And Brother Terry was kind enough to let me come by. He's been at his church 48 years. And uh, we praise God for his faithfulness. Then uh, God let us cross paths. Brother Sammy, I preached a, a first message. I think it was in uh, November of 1982 here in the uh, camp meeting in this pulpit, behind this pulpit, and got my first revival out of uh, that meeting. And, and uh, I'll tell you, I have a lot of memories here of the camp meeting, and uh, they're all good. And boy, I tell you, it was tremendous last night. Good crowd, tremendous crowd, but great, uh, great preaching, great liberty, and that's what you've got to have. You can't preach without liberty and the touch of God. And so I, I pray certainly that God will keep his hand on Brother Randy and this camp meeting. And actually, I met my wife for the first time, probably right around there. We, we didn't talk then, but I was able to meet her and found out she had family uh, from Alabama. So there's a lot tied right here to uh, Faith Baptist Camp. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. The Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. I'm not going to preach on that, but that would be a good motivation to get closer to the things of God because the tabernacle was pitched in the center of the encampment of the Israelites and God let that judgment begin on the outer skirts of the, of the people of God. And that's typically where uh, complaining comes from, those who are the furthest from God. So he deals with them and the people, verse 2, cried unto Moses. And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire quenched, was quenched. And he called the name of the place Taborah, Taborah cause of the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But I, now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as a coriander seed and the color thereof as the color of bedellium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in meals or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. 
When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Let's pray. Father, help us this afternoon. We thank you for being in these services. It has truly fed my soul and helped me, and I'm grateful for what I've heard. Grateful for this place. Keep your hand upon it, upon the pastor, Brother Randy, his wife, Amy, and the congregation. God, give them good days till you call us home. Speak to every heart is my prayer in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Well, they're on their journey. They're headed to the promised land. And the Bible said the people fell, the mixed multitude among them fell a lusting. And they mentioned the fish and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic that they had in Egypt. Egypt obviously is a picture of the world. And as I refer to it, it to me will represent the world. So I was reading these verses one night and I thought, you know, I wished I didn't know as much about the world as I know. And I want to preach this morning on the less you know of the world, the better. You study about the world and the word of God and it's a very real threat to the people of God, conformity to the world and uh, being pressured by the world can keep you from knowing the perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. I would say the perfect will of God's very important, wouldn't you? Amen. A lot of people didn't marry right because they didn't marry in the perfect will of God. And we could spend time there. But John said, if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. Uh, James chapter four, whoso is a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So I think we need to know something about the world in the sense of keeping our distance from it. I am amazed when I read these verses that the children of Israel are thinking about their lives in Egypt and specific things about their life in Egypt at this time. If ever there was a time to not be thinking about their life in Egypt, it's now. While they're on their way to a new life, a better life, and a better life for their families. Where would they rather their children grow up, in Egypt or in the promised land? But they're thinking about Egypt. What if they didn't know about Egypt? What if they didn't have any memories about Egypt? What if they didn't know as much as they know about Egypt? I stand here in this pulpit this morning. What if I didn't know as much about the world as I know? I've been saved August be 40 Two years. I don't remember a day that I haven't had to battle the world in my mind. 
I, I believe the verses, renew your mind, think on these things, whatsoever is true and just and honest and holy. I, I believe that, but I sometimes find myself thinking about the fish and the melons and the onions and the leeks and the garlics. So what if we didn't know what we know about the world? How much stronger would we be? How much closer to God would we be if we didn't have these battles raging in our minds? How much of the world or Egypt will our children have to deal with at some point in their lives? See, we act as if the, the world is our next best friend and it's actually not, is it not? No, it's not at all. So I, I, and I know this, I know it's impossible to live in the world and, you know, have the technology we have and all of these various things and not, you know, have any taste of the world at all. But I think we ought to follow the principle of the Apostle Paul in Romans where he said in Romans 16, but yet, just the verse in part, I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. I want you to know as much as you can know about God and the things of God and, and the Word of God and walking with God and decency and living right and how to be a godly young person and become a godly parent and know as little as you can possibly know about this world. What a blessing that would be. And so I want to preach this morning just three thoughts on the less you know of the world, the better. First of all, notice when these thoughts came up of Egypt in their life. Chapter 10, verse 11 said, the children of Israel took their journey. So they've been delivered from Egyptian bondage and they're on their way to the promised land. And we know they could have been there in 11 days. But my point is, is they were moving at this time. There was a transition period at this time. In other words, they didn't get saved and arrive in the promised land in a matter of hours. There was a little period of time there. It turned out to be 40 years, but still there was a transition. We've got to understand that we're, when I got saved, I didn't have all that God wanted to give me in one sense of the word. I didn't know all God wanted me to know. It's been a growing process. And so maybe some people think, you know, I gave my heart to God this morning. Why is everything not fixed tonight? And so we live in this generation where we want everything at our fingertips, do we not? Not willing to put time into it and effort into it. But then secondly, these thoughts came up when there was murmuring and complaining, dissatisfaction. Accusations against God, muttering under their breath, complaints against God. I can't imagine that. I, I would hate to hear that. It's as if God, we gave our lives to you, we trusted you, we listened to your servant, and we're not being done right. 
So the atmosphere in the congregation was not that of rejoicing that they're no longer in Egyptian bondage, but complaining because they're hungry and they're, they're thirsty. I'll tell you the atmosphere in a church worship service matters. The atmosphere in a youth group matters. There shouldn't be any undertones of dissatisfaction and complaining and we don't like this and we don't like that. You never know what that might do to a young person or a group of young people. We shouldn't be complaining as older people about whatever it might be related to the things of God. God has been good to every one of us. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Thank God I'm not in the world anymore. Thank God I don't live like I used to live. So they were murmuring and they were complaining. And yes, after I got saved, I heard the murmurs. I thought everybody in our church was saved, the church I joined, but it didn't take me long to figure out there was something different about them than me. I remember going to raise a little money for to buy my pastor a suit. And I heard that one of the men I went to him, he was the most wealthy man in our church there at, at Bessemer, Alabama. And I asked him, I didn't know he had a problem with my pastor, but I, I said, uh, hey, we're going to raise some money and buy him a suit. Just a suit, a simple suit. And he let out a cuss word right there in the, in the auditorium to show his dissatisfaction with that. It could have set me back, but thank God I had some roots going down in the things of God. There was at this time when complaining arose or when they asked about the, the fish and the cucumbers and melons and so forth, there was the judgment of God that had taken place. Mortality, death, they're seeing people that are being dealt with by God. And so maybe they're thinking, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in this group, but the God of this group, he judges complainers and murmurs. And people die when they don't do right. I'm just saying it wasn't uh, the best of atmospheres. There was the mixed multitude a group among the people of God, but not like the people of God. They didn't want the same things. They weren't pursuing the same things. They bring up the world. They bring up Egypt, that mixed multitude among them. I say to our young people, and some of them are right here in the middle, when you gather together over here on this side of the congregation after church or over here on this side of the congregation or wherever you might gather when this young person comes up or whoever uh, is among that gathering of young people, what is the conversation about? I'm not saying they have to walk around and say, uh, good to seest thou my sister and wouldest thou do this. I'm not saying that at all, but it, it shouldn't be secular. It shouldn't be carnal. It shouldn't be worldly, right? No, we can't 
keep the mixed multitude out of our churches no more than the owner of the field could keep the tares from being among the wheat. But thank God there is wheat, but we need to be uh, aware that there are tares. So when did this conversation come up? But then secondly, what mentioning certain things about Egypt says to me, first of all, it says they hadn't forgotten Egypt, though they're no longer in it. Though they had the presence of God with them, he's guiding them by day as a, with a pillar, a cloudy pillar, and by night, a fiery pillar. And even though they have the presence of the true and living God, they're thinking about Egypt. Secondly, they had numerous memories of Egypt. Yeah. Now, don't forget my, my thought. It's the less we know about the world, the better, right? They had numerous men. They listed six foods that they had eaten. And the point is each experience in Egypt got recorded in their mind. I'm not saying that, and we can't, we're not going to live sinlessly perfect. We can't even walk in Walmart without seeing something we shouldn't see. We can't turn on the radio, let alone a television and not see or hear something we shouldn't hear. It's embarrassing to listen to the radio nowadays. Each experience etched its, its memory in their minds. Thirdly, they had distinct memories. They don't just say we remember the food of Egypt, we remember the fish and the melons and the cucumbers, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And so, you know, it's not that I just look back over that past life Brother Randy, as it just being a generic dark place, unfortunately, I can see specific things. That's my life, but I wished it wasn't my life. I'm preaching to young people. It's been mentioned about young people. Young people, the less you know of the world, the better. Amen. You're not going to get through this life without having some bad memories and wrong memories. But it'd be better the fewer that you have. Yes, Amen. Fourthly, all the things they remembered were only carnal. Isn't that true? Yes. Nothing about Egypt was designed to make them think about God. It was about the flesh. It was about how they were gratified, how they were, were satisfied. They didn't long for God thinking about Egypt. They didn't turn around and worship God thinking about the cucumbers and the melons and, and the leeks and the onions. It was all carnal. And I'm telling you, there is nothing about this world that is designed to bring us to God or point us to God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Well, I'm moving through very rapidly and, and uh, don't feel like I'm stirring the joy in your souls, but I am trying to 
help you to stay away from the world, young people. Boy, there's young preachers in here, I'm sure, and young preachers' wives, and, and uh, who knows, servants of the Lord, both here at Concord and, and various churches represented. And I'm telling you, be good to come in the house of God with very few thoughts of the world. Amen. Amen. Oh, I can have victory in my mind. I do. But there is a battle there. I have to bring into captivity every thought under the obedience of Christ. I have to say no countless times. No, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to remember those particular things. Wished I hadn't done it. Wished I hadn't tasted it. Wished I didn't know what it looked like or where you could find it. My son, he's a 32, 33. He testified one of his first days on a job or beginning there and uh, as he was working, somebody came up to him on the job. He's an electrician and said something and he said, I didn't even know what they meant. And I thought, what a wonderful thing. He said, I found out later, but I'm glad I didn't know what that meant. Amen. 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 I, I, you know, some of the things I know about the world has helped me to deal with young people and, and older people. And I remember one time getting in a vehicle and, you know, there was uh, these vinyl seats and there was little holes in the vinyl seat. And I thought, I know that person's daddy don't know what that is, but I know what it is. I said, your daddy know you've been smoking pot in this, in this truck? hadn't been cleaning seeds out of your pot. And so they pop and they leave a little, they burn on your seed or whatever. It's helped me to deal with some things, but I wished I didn't know what that was. I wished I just got in and thought, boy, you're being careless with something in this truck. Amen. Let me say, fifthly, they have a, they had a selective memory about Egypt. They didn't mention the slavery. They didn't mention the misery. They didn't mention the idolatry. They didn't mention the bondage and the taskmasters. And they didn't mention the misery when they were crying out for deliverance at all. They didn't mention the spiritual darkness, not knowing God, not knowing truth, not knowing what was right, assuming that that idolatry was real. Isn't it amazing how we can have selective memories? Uh, sometimes, you know, I'll get to reminiscing or whatever and, and, you know, there's been a time or two where you start talking about this or that and, and then stop at a certain place and the Lord seemed to say to me, my heart one time, why don't you go on and tell it all? If it's such, uh, you know, such, if it's so captivating, why don't you tell it all? I wished I didn't have anything to tell at all about. I wished I didn't know. I wished if you came to me, I'd say, I don't know what you're talking about. The world is a miserable place. It, is. it leaves you empty. 
leaves you lonely. Amen. It'll take you out of the house of God and the next thing you know, you're out on the street somewhere. Take you out of the home, a good home with a mother and daddy that love you and care for you and it'll put you in a mission house somewhere. Preacher, that wouldn't happen in churches like this. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You see it in their eyes. They get that look for the far country and they come in the house of God and it's a far country gaze. They're not looking at the things of God. There's no strobe lights. There's no flashing lights. There's no smoke coming up out of the, out of the platform or whatever. You know you're in a church. Just a burgundy or red colored carpet and pews. Just, I mean, it doesn't look like anything out there in Egypt. But I'll tell you, it looks like a place I want to be. I was out there and God brought me in here. You know, I got saved out. I was out in the world. My family grew up in church for a little while in the early 60s. My dad got out of church and eventually my mother gave in and she joined him and it was just wreaked havoc in my family. And then, so I go out in the world, I'm out in the world, I get saved by the grace of God and I can't wait to get in the house of God. I was outside and now I'm on the inside and I'm thinking, man, this is great. The singing is great. I love to hear the preaching of the word of God. I came on these campgrounds in June of 1981 in this building and I loved it. Praise God. But you see, people that grow up in this, it seems like they're looking out there. People in my generation, people in the church I pastor, they were out there and they got saved and they love it in here. But there is a danger growing up in here and you're wondering what's out there. I'll tell you, misery and slavery and bondage and emptiness. less you know of the world, the better. Sixthly, when they were thinking about and talking about Egypt, it stands the reason that they're not thinking about the miraculous. Right? They had seen the power of God through the judgments of God on the Egyptian gods and ten plagues. They saw the, uh, the religious structure of Egypt crumble under the mighty power of God. Think about this. They don't mention their deliverance from the death angel at midnight. You know, sure we ate be hard to put fish out of your mind if you ate it every day and, and melon and leeks and onions and garlics, but they were there at midnight when the death angel came through and there was a great cry throughout Egypt, but they weren't crying in their houses. They were delivered. They were delivered by the blood of the lamb. They're not thinking about that. They're not thinking about that. 
They don't mention their deliverance at the Red Sea. Now, I don't know about you. I've seen a lot of things, but I've never seen the sea roll back. And 5,000 people abreast walk across on dry ground. Some say that. They came out harnessed. And they say to get them out over that night, it had to be probably about a mile and a half wide that he rolled it. I don't care if he rolled it back two feet or 50 miles. It was an amazing thing. And they stepped down into what they think might be marsh or mud or water, whatever it might be, and they, they're walking across on dry ground. A powerful experience. They're not thinking about that. That was a recent experience. Isn't it amazing how we can sit here and have a recent powerful experience from God and suddenly our mind going, this, I mean, what they had experienced certainly tops eating a watermelon. Does it not? It, it tops, it has to top eating fish, onions, and garlic. Well, that just shows you how depraved our natures is. Some people think we're sinlessly perfect and, and you know, God bless them for thinking that, but I'll tell you, we've got a very carnal nature about us that we have to deal with. And so here they are. They, they've got the presence of God, the glory of God. He has worked miracle after miracle. And then they're thinking about these things that were just temporal at its best. And here I am 42 years later. Here many of you are. I'm grateful this camp is still here all these years later. What a great blessing. And we're still coming. It's not for the, and there's good food. I remember Brother Sam and butterball turkeys and, and all of those things. Talk about the whole hog sausage. They didn't, they didn't pull out the hindquarters. They didn't, they didn't take any. They took the whole hog and ground it up and I ate my share of the whole hog sausage. But I'll tell you right there, kind of in the middle where one of my young men is sitting, I remember turning around maybe 23, 24 years old and kneeling there and the glory of God had fallen. It wasn't a real loud service at all, but the power of God had fallen. And I was rejoicing and worshiping and weeping and somebody behind me said, are you okay? I said, I'm fine. Oh, praise God, I'm fine. Hallelujah. Glory. But I can't imagine seeing these kinds of things and boy, that suddenly just in a moment's time starts taking you away. Let me give you the thrust of the message and I'll be done. So God sends manna. In the provision of the manna, there was nothing in this manna to remind them of Egypt. It had a different appearance. It had a different origin. And it had a different flavor. Now, I read this and it, it, it struck me a few months ago. 
when I studied this, why not sprinkle the manna with a little bit of melon flavor? You know, a little. Why not just put a little dash of uh, onion or garlic on there, on the manna? I mean, it's just taste, right? Isn't that true? What's the big deal? We're just talking about what we eat and what we consume. But isn't that what most churches are trying to do today? Aren't they trying to sprinkle a little bit of the world in just about everything we do? They don't think the manna is enough. Really, they don't. They don't think it'll hold the young people. They don't think it'll satisfy the older people. They don't think it will be enduring. We've, gotta, we've just got to keep evolving and, and changing and, and you know, f- adapting and finding out. Get me that shaker out. and, and I, Don't leave, don't leave. We're, we're going to have the smoke coming up in just a minute. The machine broke. I don't know what I would have thought if I walked out of a bar in Birmingham, Alabama into a church and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm at a concert stage here. There is a lot of pressure on preachers and churches today. To, I mean, they're, we're so worldly. We've got so much of the world in our churches and, and we can't keep it all out, but it just seems like, well, okay, I'll give you a little bit of the world if you want it. Amen. There's no real difference in what, you know, I'm going to give you children of God than what you had in Egypt. In fact, we, we're going to try to resemble that. Who's winning who? Right? I'll tell you what I liked when I came to this camp. Three-hour drive. I'd come through Gadsden, Alabama, and up through uh, uh, Cedar Town, and then into Rome, and drive right in here. I could be here in three hours. I was a single young man, and and I loved driving over here. I was where I could get off for for work, and and when I heard about the camp meeting, I started coming, and I'd plan my time around being here, and I I looked forward to coming. I just I really did. It excited me. Dr. Seitler preaching and, and Dr. Maccabee preaching and different ones, you know, and Brother Sammy doing his exhorting and, and he was a dear friend of mine. I stayed many, many nights in their home and, you know, just a lot of things, but it, 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 I just couldn't wait to get here and I'm glad it wasn't because it tasted like what I had out in the world. We don't think that just opening the Bible and preaching line upon line is going to satisfy or uh, fulfill anyone, but it will. This, this is the Word of God, and it will work. We don't have to change anything about what God has given us. 
It tastes good to me, thank God. It did back then and it still does today. I like the old songs. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Amen. I still like a pulpit. I really do. I don't, I don't care. I don't get mad. If you want to take the pulpit out of your church and put a little stand in there, put you a chair to sit in and wrap with the people, but it's not going to feed me. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm not going to argue with you. I just like the manna from heaven. I like it the way God wants it to be. Well, why didn't it remind them, preacher? Well, it wasn't like anything in Egypt. They're different. Manna from heaven and food from Egypt, they're not the same. Secondly, because God is not going to place any fleshly appetites we have above the spiritual. Our bodies and our appetites are not what we're to exist for. Right? I do. I, I, I'm not against entertainment, you know, the right kind of entertainment. I'm not against having fun. I don't believe we ought to leave here and, and go out and, and march around the grounds and pray unless God led you to, and I'll pray for y'all as you do it. I, I'm not against volleyball, basketball, football, baseball, ping pong, or anything else you want to do. But that can't be the dominating part of our ministries. It doesn't have to be. It's different. It's different. God meant for it to be different. Then the last thing is because what we have in the manna is supernatural. It fed the Israelites for 40 years. Glory to God. Amen. It's sufficient. Sweet to the taste. The less you know about the world, the better. I hope you never know what liquor tastes like. I hope you never put a dip in your lip. Hope you never see pornography. God can forgive you. God can save you. God can sanctify you. And God can use you if you cross those lines. He can, he can change your life. But I'll tell you, you're going to have a battle with it. So my burden, I've delivered my burden to you. The less you know about Egypt, the better. I look forward to going home. Tell you, last week's been a, and I don't know why, I mean, we've, you know, the, the average week you deal with stuff, but my, my, I felt my spirit, Brother Randy, just going down. And I'm not a person who gets down. I'm not a person who climbs the rafters. You know, I just try to, Utter long, you know, at a even kill there, but I felt myself going way, way down. And I'll tell you, somebody sent me a devotion on my phone, Brother Johnny Jones, dear friend of mine, and it began to lift my spirits. I mean, just a little old, about a three-paragraph devotion, and man, it was exactly what I needed about five in the morning. 
Amen. It, it didn't have a lot of flash to it and didn't have a whole lot of uh, sensationalism, but it had the sweet manna from heaven. And boy, that taste began to strengthen me. Amen. Let's pray. Father, sealed our hearts. What you said, I've truly, truly been helped by being here and I'm very grateful for Faith Baptist Camp. Thank you for this generation carrying on and 